Welcome to the SAP HCM Insights Podcast. I'm Steve Bogner, the Managing Partner at Insight Consulting Partners, joined today by Brandon Toombs and Mark Ingram and our esteemed guest, Chris Payne. Hey, Chris and Brandon. Mark, how you doing? I'm good. Hello. Our very, our, our very esteemed guest. Very esteemed guest, yeah. Yes. And my dog in the background. Sorry, I wasn't able to mute myself out before he started going off. But, you know. <laughs> Working from home. Um, yeah, so, you know, Chris, you just raised the IQ in the podcast by a good 10 points, I think. Appreciate that. Yeah, okay, thanks. <laughs> That's what you'd say. So today we wanted to talk about um, IAS, Identity Authentication, Authentication. System Services, IAS. Um, it's been getting um, a lot of attention because it's needed for people analytics, right, within success factors. Um, I've had a lot of customers asking me questions about it, um, and I'm sure you guys have too. So there are pluses and minuses and uh, things to keep in mind and uh, all these considerations, right, about IAS that uh, we need to think about. So we we'll say, well, let's get a podcast on it, and we'll bring in Chris because he's actually knows what it's done. Um, <laughs> So no, I'm, I'm just loud about the subject. Oh, look, I, I, I think I think that that first of all we got to we got to clear it out. This this is something that's going to stick around. It's not something that we can just hope is going to disappear and and go away and we go back to what we're currently doing or the ways that we have been doing. This, this is around. Yeah. When you look at it, what what is what is IAS? It's tooling which is common across all of SAP's cloud products. The ability to log in, change your password, you know, uh, get a, a login screen and manage that whole um, authentication process. Now, and why on earth would SAP build out that functionality in every one of their cloud products separately um, when they could have a single place that does it? just doesn't it wouldn't make any sense for them not to do this and especially when you start thinking about you know the, the need for security in that particular area is possibly different to the need for security in other areas of the solution you, you've got to make sure that that authentication process is absolutely you know, tight when it comes to uh, how you get into a system so yeah it makes sense that they've gone out and just decided to build it once rather than build it you know in times for every one of their cloud products. So when, and then when you look at that, where does that come down to? It comes down to the money thing. We're not gonna go back. There's no way that they <laughs> away that money. So it's there. Yeah. So, so now we've got to figure out how on earth do we deal with it? And, you know, does it actually offer us any benefit? Yeah? So why would a customer care about this? If I've got my own authentication system, right? I've got Okta or I've got whatever. And I'm authenticating that, and everything works fine. Why do I care about IAS? Because the thing is that what you're doing with success factors, and I think this is most clear when we've come to um, so report stories, um, is a separate product. It's not success factors. It's it's you know it it is SAP Analytics Cloud, but it's been linked into success factors. It's the embedded version of Analytics Cloud, and we're going to see other things that are going to work like this. If you're looking at enterprise software, 
things need to link together and they need to link together you know, as seamlessly as possible. So, yeah, that's why you can't do it because SAP needs to be able to figure out how to do things like bring in cloud analytics and other tooling. I mean, the other um, one is the, the career site builder. That's also, you, if you want to use that, you're going to be using people, the um, IAS. Um, so, and and I, I have to say as well, one of the other things that I've come across is, you know, my, my area of fun and play is, is with extending success factors, you know, building extensions on the cloud platform to use with success factors. And with SAP, spent a load of time and money making that work with what they call their Neo stack, um, which was their, their, their custom stack of how to um, build things on SAP Cloud Platform. They've moved away from that. The direction is now this area called Cloud Foundry, which is a much more open, um, I don't know how, le less um, SAP environment. Yeah, it's yeah. got to bring your own language, right? Yeah, and it, and, it, and, it, and it runs on the hyperscalers. It doesn't run necessarily on SAP data centers. So it runs on AWS and Azure and so on. And, um, and it's, it's the direction that SAP is going in the cloud. Well, why on earth would they run their own data centers? We've seen this This is the whole direction for success factors as well. Yeah? It's the, the big you know push to make sure that there's you know people aren't um, running crazy things on success factors consistently. They want to bring down the cost of running success mm -hmm. factors so they can run it on the hyperscalers. But as part of that move to move to Cloud Foundry, it's actually broken some of the functionality that I used to use to bring across um, the, the different... So you used to be able to bring across the roles that were assigned, the RBPs that were assigned in success factors mm -hmm. would go flow directly across um, into your applications and you could use that doesn't work in the Cloud Foundry environment. You have to use IAS to do the same thing. Mm. So there's, you know, there's, there's all these things which are bringing in, you know, and those different things, linking them together. So especially where it's not just a core success factors product, how do they link together? They're linking together through IAS. Mm. Got it. So, yeah, it's there. It's like a... Like a spider web over everything is what it seems like, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, spiders sound like it's a little bit nasty, especially when you come from Australia. And I, <laughs> You're deadly you. spiders. They'll kill you there. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know. Um, but, but yes, yes, it is. It is kind of that, you know, that, that web that's holding to, you know, glue that's going to mm -hmm. hold a lot of these different things together. I, I refer to it as the... The, the way I describe it to customers is SAP's put a new front door, a new welcome mat onto you know, kind of layered in on top of everything. I mean, uh, I will say that most of the places that I go to that are also SAP shops, um, they're not necessarily all uh, moving to IAS yet. Um, they're, you know, this is one of those cases kind of like uh, web info for, uh, I mean, web info for Java back in the day where it seems like, um, we're moving first on the HR side, getting to be the guinea pigs in a lot of ways. Um, and, and of course, um, the, the thing is, for success factors, uh, customers, kind of like what you said, Chris, this is not an if. Uh, I mean, uh, this is not an if, it's a win. Because 
uh, they have stated that success factors uh, reporting go forward strategy is the people analytics for uh, stories for people analytics. Sorry, stories for people analytics. I'll get it right too. Um, and that is, if that's the go forward strategy and it requires IAS, uh, therefore you're going to have to put in IAS at some point uh, if you're a success factors customer. Yep. Yeah. As well as that, there's. Um, have you heard of WorkZone? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just heard of it the first time yesterday. And um, apparently, the new kind of uh, common front end for, uh, for everything, you know, notifications, homepage, is going to be completely reliant on IAS. So, um, so, so well, yeah, work, WorkZone <laughs> strongly uses IAS. Yeah. 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 All right, so we're stuck with it. So what are the uh, complications of uh, putting this in? What what should customers be on the lookout for? Can, can, we just, can we just, before we get there, and we've scared everyone, can we just say that there are some, actually some good things? Yes, yes, That there come are. from IS? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm assuming there's good things. Otherwise, you know, if you wouldn't be making us use it, right? So, uh, yeah, what are the good things? <clears throat> so, so um, for, for me, one of the best things here is... Um, the ability to put in multi-factor authentication mm -hmm. yeah. you know, as as a as a almost a freebie um, especially not necessarily on those production environments because as you said earlier steve um when you're looking at production most of us are using you know azure ad or uh, adfs or some other tooling to actually log into our systems through single sign-on anyway so and all of the, and the, most of those tools already actually have the capability to do um, you know, the multi-factor authentication if you want them, risk-based assessment of authentication, those kind of toolings. But when it comes to our non-productive environments, I especially have many customers who don't use the single sign-on to go into non-prod. Because it, one, it makes testing an absolute nightmare. If you're trying to do that, I want to log in as an employee, now I want to log in as a manager. Ah, I've got to find, you know, log out of my laptop no that doesn't work right. um right so, so but being able to still secure what is quite often a complete copy of a production database because we just refresh down that data from production so that we've got you know the the similar set of data so we can do realistic testing being able to secure that with multi-factor authentication so someone's using your, your google authenticator type app or whatever mm -hmm use to ensure that they are who they say they are when they're logging into the system, I think is a really useful thing. It's come up many times when customers you know, are thinking about going to success factors. They, they ask mm -hmm. for this functionality. So, so I, I think that that's a good thing that it's provided. And then you're, I guess you're, your typical user would be HR employees for, well, for the success factor scenario, but it's not just about success factors. If you've got field class and concur, for example, you're going to mm -hmm. have, you're going to have vendors in there as well. And then it's going to be used for candidates at some point. And then you've got, um, you know, social, uh, uh, social identity providers, uh, like Facebook and Google that you can use. So it's a lot bigger, I mean, it's a lot bigger than just HR, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm getting, especially when you're going in to customers thinking about uh, implementing it, it is, well, HR is going to be the first cab off the rank. 
Yeah, yeah. kind of like Brandon says, we, you know, HR, we do get stuck with it, you know, being the, the, the <laughs> trial people. Quite often. Getting through the best. Mm-hmm. We're the best. Is it because, is it right. because we're nice, the best. We're nice and fluffy and, we, you know, we're friendly people? I don't know. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> I do seem to get stuck with that. <laughs> you might, or, or, or we're just soft, you know. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Um, I've got a use case that I've been able to uh, uh, implement a lot easier with IES than uh, w- uh, than I would have had to, or than I would have been able to without it. Um, so I've got a customer that has some people that are using uh, single sign-on. Um, because they have got they've got internal uh, email addresses, and then they then they have some people that that don't have single sign on at the moment, and so they don't have uh, and they don't have corporate email addresses. And I'm able to use uh, something that's built into IIS called conditional authentication that basically says if this uh, if this person or this user is coming in from a corporate uh, domain, just then send them through. Uh, send them through single sign-on for authentication. But if they're coming in from the outside, then we're, then we're using ID and password. And that was, you know, really pretty simple to set up on IES, but it would have been a lot more complicated uh, to do in a, in an SAP only setting. It's possible to do the same thing, but you're going to have to do a little bit more maintenance. This is just something that it's going to make up that, deci- it's going to make that decision on the fly. And again, it's something I can do with IES that I, that I would be a lot bigger pain to do just within native uh, success factors. That's the, that's, the, that's the risk configuration you're talking about, right, Chris? Well, it's, it's also, no, it's, it's part of that. The risk configuration can redirect as well um, uh, and enforce MFA for some people. But it's it's more around this is you know depending on who you are where you should um, be sent for authentication, which is actually and, and it goes beyond that. We've got I've got a um, a customer who wants has multiple different um, IDPs, so they they've got mm-hmm. a population different yep. populations which are using some are using Azure, some are using Okta. There's a, they're actually kind of yeah. different organizations, but they're all under the one umbrella and they're all trying to get into, especially it's the same learning. It's these external learners who are trying to get yeah. into um, the system and they want to single sign in. It's now possible. Never used to be. Couldn't couldn't configure up. I used to would have to spend ages working with the IDPs to do federated um, logins and stuff. Now, Figure that just in the IAS. It's like a success factors you know, piece of work to be able to do that now. You know, the admins there within the success factors team can actually take care of that and make that work, which is which is a huge benefit. That is, yeah. I mean, I have customers with that too, and that's been one of their complaints about IAS. You know, it's you know we have a decentralized sort of uh, authentication scheme, right? Like you said, multiple systems and multiple providers, so. How do we make this work? So I'm I'm glad that that's been addressed. That's good. Okay. So, next point, Steve. Yeah. So next. So, um, what does this add to implementation time and cost? Is this a, a big deal for customers to consider? I mean, is this another system to license, or is this bundled in? Um, I mean, what does that look like? Bundled, definitely. So. You- you're not looking at any additional um, subscription costing. Mm-hmm. Um, does it add a little bit of time? 
it depends on how close to the standard you're going. So if you're just implementing single sign-on, replacing your single sign-on, pretty much you can get away, and Brandon's going to disagree with me because it never works for him, apparently. <laughs> um, is you Did can you go read the IDP? <laughs> is, is you can go in and you can yeah. activate those those things in success factors in you go to the the um upgrade center the upgrade center and press the buttons and it works not so every time working? but does it work for you in australia is that it is there like they let the australian people through on the no, like like brand Brandon, no, it has not worked. And I think this is definitely one of those first mover disadvantages, yeah? Yeah, um, working out the kinks. Oh, my goodness. The number of times it has not worked for me is just, and then just screws up things. Is It's mm-hmm. quite bad. Yeah. Um, but that said, I've also seen it now. The more, the later you've left it, especially if you left it after the first half 2020 to do this, the easier it's working. Yeah. What do you mean by the last point? Well, if the you know the earlier upgrade that we had in the year, uh-huh. so the success factors release. Okay. After um, H one, it's working better. Okay. I, if you I, if you did it before H one, you were screwed. I just did yeah. one about a week and a half ago and had the the same reaction. Still, I'm over six. Um, so, <laughs> so what we're talking about. Um, and, and I know Chris kind of already said this, but you go into Upgrade Center, you click a button, and it's supposed to configure everything f- uh, for you. Uh, set up your IES uh, with your SuccessFactors application set up as a with the connections and everything. Um, and then just notify you, hey, it's all ready, and now you can just log in. Everything's good to go. And and um, unfortunately, that just that's the one process. Uh, first of all, I do also want to uh, uh, very much commend Success Factors. They've done a great job pr- producing a ton of how-to videos that are really nice. And you can go out there to the community, just type in the word IS and go search, and you will see some really good content. The problem is the core setup process is still broken broken. And I, I, I've tried multiple ways to ask someone, please, please uh, fix this process because not only is the process broken to set do for the automated process, but then when it breaks, I, I still have a hard time getting someone to go in and fix it. So I put in, so like my, my latest uh, op, uh, situation, I put in a ticket, uh, it gets routed around. They don't have anyone that really seems like they have ownership of this process. And so um, what I would, and I don't want to just go in and, and, and gripe, uh, really the actionable thing for customers is just make sure that you put in a ticket immediately once uh, within a couple of hours uh, when, when your IS hasn't, you haven't heard back because uh, you can, if that happens, at least you can start the process of getting everything set up. So um, again, just uh, based on my past experience, just assume that processes may not work right right now. Maybe it's going to get better, but if it doesn't, hey, just just muddle through it, and then once you get on the other side, it actually works really well, like like uh, Chris was saying. Hey, Brandon, I think yeah. I know what your problem is. Have you tried a customer improvement request? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark. Oh, Mark. It's not nice. <laughs> I got one of those almost responded to the other day, Mark. I I read it. I just read about that. That was quite um, entertaining. Oh, good. <laughs> that was hard but, work. 
Yes, we we've ran it on that before. I will. Yeah. <laughs> but but like it like it is when it comes to the amount of time. If things go well, it works. I think it throws in the, uh, certainly PMs thinking about their success factors implementation should be aware that there is a certain level of risk at the moment with mm-hmm. that um, thing that is working. It could delay your ability to make your system work and be able to get into it for a day or two. Um, and you can raise the tickets to relatively high priority because it stopped you logging into your system. So do this in a, in a, in a preview system first or in a... Oh, hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, so, no? the thing, I'm the, just a payroll guy, but it seems like that's what you'd want to do. To be honest, you can get it set up and working um, without without swapping over how SuccessFactors is actually doing its authentic. If that bit, final bit, doesn't, it's um, okay. that bit. I've, I've never seen that bit not work. I don't know if that so, it's, it's just the setup of what is the IPS, which we yeah. haven't actually mentioned yeah, yet. Yeah, you talk about that. I was just... Um, so, so there's there's actually two pieces of kit here. You've got the IAS, which is the bit which is actually handling the authentication, and then there's the IPS, which is handling the provision of your users from success factors into the IAS and also into SAC. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's it's creating the users in those systems so that when you actually do the login and you try and access your, you know, your people analytics report stories. Your user exists in the SAC, so that you can go in and access it. It's it's the setting up of all of that, which is sometimes problematic. And Chris, the provisioning system is is that used for third parties? Um, say, for example, you want single sign-on with something that opens yep. up for. Okay, I had a, I had a question about that. Um, so first of all, it sounds like it's not a matter of there's a huge amount of heavy lifting in terms of adding. You know, many many weeks to a, or months to a project. Oh gracious, no! Right, it's yeah. kind of like it works or it doesn't work, right? Um, but um, the, the other question is: so, say you have a few different uh, vendors um, that are software vendors, and they you access them using SSO from SuccessFactors already. Um, is there a lot of rework to do that, or no, you can uh, continue to do use use SuccessFactors? So SuccessFactors. Um, can uh, exist as an IDP itself, yeah? Okay. And that's, and that's how we um, generally tended to do things. Um, and that still works. So if you've set up your um, your SAP ERP for single sign-on through from SuccessFactors, that's going to still keep. You could change it over to IAS if you wanted to. But um, one of the things IAS doesn't support for those external systems is the proxy functionality so if you've been using proxy and then um using that to get into an external system Mm -hmm. as someone else that won't work with ias okay i see but but the the whole success factors as an idp still continues to work i mean but but the thing the difference here which i think is actually really good and is the general seems to be the general direction of success factors this doesn't require any provisioning access so as yeah. in success factors partner provisioning access to set up all of this can be done by the customer themselves if they really want to. if they've got a, an it department that's on top of things and you know with it and good mm-hmm. at reading documentation and how tos and there is some fantastic documentation and how tos 
that have been produced now, as Brandon was saying, they can do it. I've got a, a um, potential customer who's been, we've been talking to, and they've already set up their IAS and IPS. This is just the customer. They, they bought their subscription success factors. They're now trying to choose a partner. So they haven't yet actually chosen a partner to implement with, and they've already gone and set up IAS nice. and IPS themselves. Nice. It doesn't necessarily need a partner. I would recommend you bring in someone with some experience to do it. Preferably with a high bill rate. If it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> That's right. Yes, Brandon, I may want to. Um, the, but you can do it. And I think that's, that's huge um, to not necessarily to bring in a partner to handle this, to put some of the power and the control back within the internal IT departments within an organization. And, and mm -hmm. kind of going along with that, um, because they can set up the IAS, the other, thing, the other thing that they can set up now is their own single sign-on, because before single sign-on was something that, that you had to do in provisioning. Now, because that's now part of IAS, the single sign-on setup and maintenance is all something that, that's available to customers themselves. Nice. So whilst you've probably, in your project plan for implementation, going back to the original question, oh. probably added a little bit of extra risk to your solution. That bit where you had the, let's set up SSO and it might take half a day, it might take five. Well, I'm all for making customers more, customers more self-sufficient. It's always a good thing. Well, what else do we need to say about IAS or have we said it all? Um, the um, partner managed cloud and IAS. Yeah. That's, that's a problem. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily work. Um, and that's, that's, that's down to the same issue that they've got with, um, assigning a secondary, so multiple, um, IAS instances. So mm -hmm. while back, perhaps some of you would have read some of my blogs about the police circuit, and I have one more. You have a blog. IAS. <laughs> 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 um, uh, around. Please, I can have more about getting multiple IAS instances. Yeah. The standard provisioning of IAS is you get one production IAS instance, and you get one non-production IAS instance. And yet we know that customers who are using EC, at the very least, are going, and, and now, looks across the board, the move is a three-tier instance for everything. Yeah? Um, so if you're with EC, you get everything three-tier except IAS currently. So the, which is, which is problematic, but you can ask for, and you will get, um, an additional IAS instance, but it, you can't set it up in this automated flick the switch manner. The thoughts are that that will come. It will be part of the automatic, you know, go to, um, the upgrade center and press the button and you'll be able to do it in your different systems eventually but at, that, but at the moment that doesn't work so that's 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 a bit of a um a problem you set it up in preview right now i'd like to set it up in my d2 my d environment and i can't because mm -hmm. it's you know that it's already been i've already set up that non-prod so how do i do that how do you handle that so that that's that's one piece of a problem but partner management Cloud suffers from the same thing because part managed cloud is all basically kind of 
a shared instance ish, yeah. but not exactly. that really. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't work. So the, the standard setup scripts don't work in partner. Um, I'm sure it will be. It, well, it's one of those things. It, it's an evolution, right? And like you said, it's, this is here to stay and it's certainly only going to get bigger. It seems it's going to be used in more and more places. So it's just a matter of time as that's my opinion. We'll see what happens. Oh, look, it, it will. It has to. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't do reporting on onboarding 2.0 without people yep. analytics report stories. So, it's, yep, it's got to be there. It's got to be yep. there. And then the other thing, you know, how do you say that a group of admins can reset um, passwords for a group of people? So it, it, this is where you're using mm-hmm. the pass, password scenario. How do you? How do you? handle that so that only some admins will first of all i'd say get the self-service password reset thing working yeah it's just like why are you wasting so many admins time setting resetting passwords well what else are they going to do <laughs> so um but the problem there is that there is nothing which delineates access to users within ias you're either a user administrator or you're not a user administrator you can't you can't administer a subset of the population mm. um so there is so if you're potentially an organization where you've got different sub organizations still using the same success factors instance and potentially you would set up rbps to divide out who the administrators were for different areas that's something that you could do success factors but it's not something you can really do with IAS and I have to say the number of clicks that you need to go through in the IAS admin console to be resetting someone's password is not something that you want to be doing every day anyway mm-hmm. so if yeah. you can avoid that it's it's like I don't think the solution's been made for it what we have said is that um Generally, the only time that you would use this is where you don't actually have email addresses so that those people who are needing passwords don't actually have an email, don't have access to email. Yeah, that's, that's still a common scenario. Yeah, and to, one thing to keep in mind that's just to uh, piggyback off that point is uh, email addresses really become the new de facto username uh, for people. So that yeah. means that your username, I mean, your email address now needs to be unique where maybe before, uh, you know, you, you could, uh, not necessarily have that. That's not a, that's not a, a, a requirement in a success factor system right now to, to where your, your email addresses have to be unique the way that your usernames or your user IDs are. So this does, uh, kind of, uh, re- more increase the prominence of, of your, uh, email addresses uh, for your users. And also, that's something to really think about in your test systems because a lot of times uh, the refresh processes uh, within success factors will bring down uh, all of your data, but will give you the opportunity to put in dummy emails. Um, and so you'll end up with everyone having the same dummy email. Well, that that now causes uh, chaos when you're trying to do your testing of your, uh, if you have IAS enabled. So that's just a couple mm-hmm. of things to be thinking about. There is there is some movement on that whole unique email requirement Mm -hmm. that's happening. So I think we'll see um, IAS itself as a technology because they're a separate group within SAP. Um, The authentication, the identity 
um, group. They have released the functionality to not require email address to be unique. So, which is which is going to be a great move because especially for those you know, like test systems. Mm -hmm. um, so you can use the same. What it does yeah. mean is, as long as if your email address isn't unique, you won't be able to use the self-service password reset. Obviously, because mm -hmm. if you have the same email address against multiple, how on earth would that work? Right. Um, but but um, that there there there's some movement there. Uh, yeah, it's it's that that how do you um, set up the unique emails? How do you manage that? It, it's it's hard. They also did say that they are bringing in the functionality, so potentially password resets could be done via, you know, the what was your first school? What was the uh, what's the uh, favorite flavor? Yeah. What's your Security dog's favorite questions. ice cream flavor? So, so that that might might help for those scenarios yeah. where you do have employees that are you know, don't have an email address but still need to be able to reset their password, and you don't want to have to send them through you know, some admins mm. to do the password reset. But that's that's coming functionality. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned. This is going to be an area that continues to evolve, I think, and probably have a lot of evolution in the next year or two, it sounds like. So that's good. Something to keep an eye on. So I turned trader and I, uh, to the recruiting course, and I just about finished doing my employee central training. Um, okay. um, so, uh, so top of mind, I've got questions of, um, does this have any impact where you have a person ID and multiple user IDs and you're doing concurrent employment or global assignment, or is that just an uh, yeah. issue? That was pretty much what screwed up things after the, um, the first half release. So everything in IS got changed. It was using your um, employee ID as the key, and then it got changed around to use your person ID so that basically it supports those concurrent employment scenarios um so it is the, the person id that is used as the key rather than the employee id oh that's cool so that's good. Um, that is actually linked to the user <laughs> rather it's good it's good now <laughs> now we're good <laughs> <laughs> prior, right. prior to that it wasn't and of course you know everyone had to migrate the employee data across yeah but yeah well that's a good improvement that's good all right, so Chris, I think we've uh, we've hit on a lot of good points. Thanks for your time on this, man. And it's been we should have had you on here ages ago. Well, well, well what and what can we what can we milk him for in the future? I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe we've tapped him out. We'll see. <laughs> a couple of weeks, right? <laughs> no, seriously, Chris, we really appreciate it, and uh, thanks for all well, the conversation on this, everyone. All thanks right, so much. And thanks so much for inviting me. All right, you're welcome. All right, have a great day, guys. Thanks. Right. See you. Cheers. Thank you very much. Bye.